0: in, it's Froth. Uh, listen to your latest. I thought I'd call in because it's such a, you know, it's like a quirky, it's such a quirky thing, you know, amongst the anchorites. It's kind of like a quirky thing where, you know, somebody will do, you know, there's like that collective unconscious, you know, somebody will do a podcast on hex crawls, and then you hear someone else has done one on hex crawls, and it's kind of like everybody's kind of thinking the same thing. It's just like a little quirky thing. It's kind of like you, you know, you're playing in your whole BDSM, series of podcasts and then you know i heard rob c the other day on down in a heap and and he's wanting to do a whole bdsm thing and it's just one of those you know kind of quirky things that goes on with anchorites. so anyway just thought i'd comment on that good luck with it see ya.
1: hello i'm colin green and you are listening to spike pit We heard then from the man who coined the phrase the legendary anchorites. Himself now a legend amongst our number. In no small part, I think that's due to some of the great stuff he's putting out there. I was a little bit worried for him for a while. I thought he was maybe going to burn himself out with uh, Tuesdays he was doing a show, then the hump day, then Friday... Then even Monday at one point, doing the recap, or was that a Sunday? That's a Sunday from the Saturday, yeah, that's right. So what's that? Sunday, Tuesday, So at one time he was doing nearly four podcasts uh, a week, and especially with the epic hump day bloggerama. I mean, how he gets through it sometimes, I don't know. And if you're listening... I think sometimes he wonders himself. Talking about these strange phenomena, he was this kind of groupthink. I oh, know, groupthink's the wrong word, that's a bit more negative. It's just how we all kind of sometimes end up thinking about the same stuff. And I don't think it's necessarily just people hearing. Something on one show and then talking about it on another show—it's a weird phenomena, but definitely something that goes on. Well, I've been talking about design recently. Uh, this was something sparked off by Shane Ward of Gilligan's Isle of ADD, wanting to get together some um, a live rule book probably in existing in mostly uh, some kind of electronic format and a lot but a couple of episodes back before I had a bit of a drama over the weekend with my sons and one thing and another, that's a subject i'm gonna return to probably in my next drive by and thanks to everybody who's called in with messages i've I've got more to get to. So, uh, Mark Wallring, the Yawning Owl Bear, called in and wanted to know about how you, how you, when you've got a game session coming up and you're worried about how, how it's going to go, how do you build up that confidence or settle down some of your anxiety, things like that? Uh, so, I'll put the question to the listeners. As yet, not had much of a response. But I wanted to mention Mark's question again because part of the way that I I deal with this anxiety around games is getting myself comfortable with the rules. Increasingly, I find myself needing a simpler set of rules or just not so much needing it, maybe I just enjoy it. And I've been talking about what a revelation. Tunnel goons was and the goon jam and it's got me thinking about hacking rules and 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 ways to make a session just run more smoothly for me a way of doing that is having less mechanisms to mess around with less stuff codified in rules and, and maybe by just applying rulings in a common sense kind of consistent common sense sort of way i can get rid of a lot of the rules that you find in some systems now one of the ways i talked about doing this was cutting back on the amount of info in and around equipment this idea of adventuring packs or as i've come to call it now in my own little set of rules I'm working on, I'm calling it like a bag of tricks. This is your roller D6, and you get that many items. They take up slots in your inventory, depending on the roll on the D6. So you know you've got... say, So at at character creation, you roll your D6. Say you roll a 3, that means you've got 3 yet to be determined items in your bag. So you set off on your adventure and somewhere along the line, you decide you want to get some rope. You just write down rope on the character sheet and you know you've got three three slots of gear. It's just something we're trying out. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense but I did it that way just because I thought it would be fun. I had considered just saying, like, you've got five pieces of gear or, you know, some other number. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes.
0: Hey, Colin, it's Cody again. Um, just listening through this episode, and you're I'm just at the bit where you're talking about the adventuring gear and considering just using the slots. Um, and, you know, when they need it, they just have it. Um, I guess I, so. I really like the idea. Yeah. Um, but my question is what happens to the equipment after they, you know, spend their 25 gold to re up? Did they just leave that on their character sheet? Like, um, I don't know if I'm going to the barrel maze and I'm like, oh shit, I forget my hammer, but I have this adventuring backpack and I've got hammers and spikes in there. So now do I write down hammers and spikes on my character sheet and then keep them when I refill back in town? Or. Yeah, just uh, wonder if you could explain how that works a little bit.
1: Thanks, bud. Now, I got this message from Cody a little while back. I went away and checked up the rules as they were written in Untold Adventures, uh, James Spawn's rule set, and I looked it up, I found the answer, and do you think I can f- remember what it was now? Comes to the recording, my mind goes blank. But I'm pretty sure the intention was that, yeah, you could keep the stuff and the 25GP was just a refill price. Um, but if you'd already determined, say, four out of the five items, it would still cost you, like, 25GP to get that final fifth item. And now I think about it. Hmm... That seems a little bit iffy. I mean, you could use it. It probably would be fine. But, Cody, that is a good question. And I'm going to have to go back and try and figure out a better answer. But thanks for the call in, man. Continuing on with the theme of gear. Let's get to the next caller future colin here listening back to the episode i decided i would jump in with an edit it's a reading taken from untold adventures by james bond it totally encompasses everything i was saying about adventuring gear in relation to those rules and hopefully will provide cody with the answer he was looking for While most role-playing games use a specific list of equipment to determine if a character has the appropriate gear for a given situation, Untold Adventures uses a more abstract method. Every character begins play with one typical adventuring item selected from a list and gains an additional item every time they gain a level of experience. Each character also begins play with a collection of items which is collectively called their adventuring gear rating. This is an abstraction of the various items typically used by Dungeoneers like torches, rope, rations and the like. Adventuring gear rating is rated anywhere from 0 to 5 and assuming the character has easy access to equipment is assumed to be 5 at the beginning of an adventure. Whenever a character wants to see if their character is carrying an item other than the already defined typical adventuring item they assume they are carrying the requested item but they must reduce their adventuring gear rating by one. Once their adventuring gear has reached zero they have established all of the specific items they are carrying. Adventuring gear is always mundane equipment such as ropes, grappling hooks, tents, flint and tinder and the like. It is never a magical item or rare item. Exact limits of what constitutes adventuring gear is determined by the referee. A character can reset their adventuring gear rating to five whenever they are at an appropriately supplied location. Doing so costs twenty-five gold pieces regardless of their adventuring gear rating at the time of replenishment.
2: Hey Colin, Jason here. After re-listening to your podcast with the knave rats part and rereading over the maze rats and knave and even the Maze Knights, I, I think that's what he calls his prototype roles. Got some extra thoughts here. I agree with the adventuring gear is not going to be an issue. I do like the idea given given giving a quirky item along the way. The one th- I, I'm sure, I know you know this because I know you've read all the stuff. But you know the reason he has that difficult, higher difficulty level for lower characters is because the difficulty doesn't change. So as they get higher in level, it gets easier to do those tasks. So that 10 is easier to achieve later on. Just like that 15 difficulty in um, Knave is easier to achieve later on. The one hack, maybe not the one, but the things I'm going to look at is I, I'm going to work with Knave. I, I really like the Knave system because I like being able to use all the D&D adventures. So my intention is to hack nave just a little bit. And, and I do like nave better than Maze Rats, I think, even though Maze Rats has a little more character. But... Anyway, is to hack it in to have classes, because I can see where the characters feel samey. It's kind of like ICRPG. In fact, with the building characters off equipment, it reminds me a lot of ICRPG, but not, that's not a bad thing. But um, I'm going to try to come up with some hacks for Knave to, allow cl- to just tweak it a little bit so the classes feel a little bit different. So anyway, enjoy your podcast. I enjoy hearing you talk about the rules and talking about these different systems. And look forward to it in the future. Take care. Bye.
1: That was Jason, and he's got a new podcast just started up. Nerds RPG Variety Cast. It's a bit different, like all the Anchorites, bringing his own style to the table. Go check him out. Talking about hacking rules and his his love of uh, a lot of systems that I enjoy. Ben Milton stuff, a mention of ICRPG there. And looking at bringing character classes into his preferred system of the lighter systems, I I too think there is definite merit in the way it takes the typical six attributes. It makes it really quite easy for you to use, your existing d type books, your monster uh, your monster manuals, your adventures, all that sort of stuff. All your old books that you've got kicking around drop straight in to Knave or Knave drop straight into them, whatever way you want to look at it. I myself am uh, not so much bothered about the classes. In fact, Knave was designed to kind of pretty much do away with classes. Your classes are are not really represented. The way you add flavour into the different characters is with, with the equipment they carry, their own unique flavour in terms of appearance, background, stuff like that. You acquire skills. There is a, a rudimentary magic system. Um, but I, I, I quite like the way Maze Rats does it. There's a hint of classes insofar as you get the Briarborn, the Roof Runners. You get a, an attack bonus if you want to be a fighter. If you want to be a spellcaster, you get a spell. But it's it's not really broken up and broken down into specific classes. It's quite fluid as you advance in the game, you can pick up a spell or you can... You're, you're you're basically a sort of multi-class. So there's the classic tropes of some of the classes, but you're not confined at the time of character creation. And I think that's really quite fun. I like that idea. Uh... Of course there are other ways of adding a little bit of flavour and the next caller, Mr Ray Otis, he's talking about gear and different types of equipment packs. And I see this as another way to uh, differentiate between your characters.
0: Colin, this is Ray. You are absolutely right about equipment. Uh, I have played Dungeon World for a long time, and one of the things that's cool about that is they have different kinds of bags of equipment that have a fixed number of uses, and basically they contain anything within reason. So if it's an explorer's bag, it would contain explorer stuff. If it was a magician's bag, it might contain spell components and whatnot. But um, They contain things within reason that you need and players are very hesitant to to call on those bags because they've only got so many uses and a usage die would make it even more uncertain so i think that's a good call i don't think it breaks the game in any way um it does mean that things are a little more convenient in terms of what characters bring but it quickly runs out and then they are still dealing with scarcity as they always have so they're uh, very careful about using it and yeah I, i think it's a great idea
1: Recently, Ray's put out a game called Lords of Mars. I mentioned it in the last episode, and I've been doing a little bit of toon and throwing with Ray on Discord, trying to come up with a few ideas to make Tunnel Goons work a little bit more for me. I really like the dice mechanism, the roll 2d6 to achieve the difficulty score. I think it's going to be Replacing my um the uh, the dice roll that I use for maze rats, which is basically the dungeon dungeon world or PBTA type of roll where you roll 2d6, six or under is a failure, seven to nine is a success with a cost, and then 10 or above is success. I've seen variations on the interpretation of that roll, but. I like that system. In fact, I was just playing Monster of the Week at Concrete Cow on Sunday, just gone. Uh, No, Saturday, just gone. And, yeah, it it is so flexible and the the GM had a really good handle on it. And uh, nothing wrong with it, but the Tunnel Goons, this, this idea of rolling against the difficulty score... And then using that difficulty score to do clever little mechanical things within the game. So I was talking to Ray about, you know, how would you represent multiple combatants? And I was thinking about different ways of doing that. And one of the obvious ones is you just raise the difficulty score. So say say uh, you're fighting goblins you've assigned them an easy difficulty which is typically something like an eight you could say like if if the player was outnumbered bump up one difficulty or two difficulties so you're attacked by a couple or three goblins you go from an eight to a ten perhaps because there's two extra goblins you add plus one for each opponent or Do you lump them together, make them into like a mob of mooks and just raise the difficulty because there's a bunch of them? I I don't feel that uh, I need to add a lot of rules into games generally. Mostly when I play, I'm always looking to take stuff out and if you can get a really good mechanism like, like we're talking about in Tunnel Goons, I just love that. I love to play with that and, and just run with it and see how far you can go. But at least I've played it now. I've recorded uh, an actual play, put it on the Spike Pit Patreon, and I'm going to go back, listen through that, see if I can pick up some of the problems, that w- pick up on some of the areas that we stumbled on, and take it from there. This is kind of my project that's going to be going on in the background. Well, that's quite enough from me. All that remains for me to do now is say a few thank yous. As always, I want to thank the people that called in. We've got first up, we had Jeremy, then there was Cody, Jason, and last but not least, Ray Otis. Thanks, guys. I, I don't know what I'd do without the call ins, probably wouldn't be a show. I don't know. there would certainly be less episodes. Let's put it that way. Also, I want to say a big thanks to the Pit crew over at Spike Pit Patreon. Their support keeping me going and growing. If you want to check out some actual plays, I do release plays or sessions that I run and play in over on my Patreon. If anybody's interested, check that out. It is um, a couple of dollars. I figure if you're into it, you might find that worthwhile or perhaps you just want to support old Spike Pit. Last but not least, I'd like to say thanks to you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen. Take care. I'll catch you later. And I'm going to play out with Logan Howard's Crazy Spike Pit theme. It's been a while.
2: By the light of the stars, I was hunting again For a mean old troll in a third-level den I'd been lucky so far, this was old-school rules I should've been cautious, should've used my tools The path was leafy and the way was dim The DM cracked a smile, but I ignored him And then, I fell into a spike pit